Welcome to the Grade A Movie Podcast for Friday, September 4th, 2020. This is a new podcast featuring Alec Toombs and Adam Awson. Alec and Adam host a new film review website, GradeAMovies.com. My name is Larry Lannon, and I'm the host of the Grade A Movie Podcast. In our initial episode, Alec, Adam, and I review the long-anticipated Christopher Nolan film Tenet and opine on a few other film-related subjects. All right, this is the inaugural Grade A Movies podcast. We've rebranded Hamilton County Ghost to the movies uh, that Adam Austin and I have been doing for several years and brought in Alec Toombs. Alec is a partner with Adam on Grade A Movies. You can find their reviews and articles about film at gradeamovies.com. So Alec, uh, good to have you on our first episode uh, rebranded uh, for uh, for our uh, film podcast. Thanks for having me, Larry. I'm excited to be here. And, uh, well, there's a lot happening in, in, in the world of film. But before I get into that, let me just, um, I'll ask Adam the same thing, just so people know, just because of crazy schedule juggling, we were not all three able to be on the podcast together. So I'm talking to, to Alex and, and Adam separately. But uh, let me ask you, Alec, about Grade A Movies, uh, since we branded the podcast to tie in with your your uh, your blog, please uh, just let me know uh, what's going on with your blog and how it got started and wh- just, just what it's all about. It was an offer that came from Adam Austin. Um, he and I met working at the uh, Indiana Daily Student uh, down at Indiana University in Bloomington. Uh, I'm a few years older than him, but uh, we, we were friends and, and colleagues there. And uh, over over the years, he's developed an enthusiasm for, for film, uh, one that I've had my entire life. I'm a film fanatic. Um, so he pitched the idea to me um, to get me back writing again. And uh, I'm glad he did. It's been a lot of fun so far. So you're, just to kind of get into this, the focus of uh, of your blog would be film reviews that you and Adam do, but you go beyond that. Talk, talk about some of the other things you feature there. I mean, me personally, I mostly am just writing uh, film reviews of, of new movies. Um, Adam does some of that as well, but he also tends to delve into essays uh, concerning different filmmakers or genres that appeal to him. He, he, he's a, a bit more of a classicist than I am. Uh, I'm more a goofball who likes watching horror movies and genre movies, things of that sort. Well, yeah. By, by the way, you say you're older than Adam. Adam, I'm, I'm way older than both of you, so I got you both beat on that. But uh, well, uh, Probably I, also wiser than us, I would well, imagine. I, not necessarily in all cases, but I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. I, I think that uh, when you – and then Adam and I started Hamilton County Goes to the Movies. It was kind of an opposite thing. He and I met at some uh, function I was covering uh, for my news blog in Fishers, and he had talked about the fact that he had listened to some of my 
reviews and like them. So I hooked up with them and, and kind of pitched Hamilton County Ghost to the movie. So that was the start for all this. Let's go to a particular movie. Uh, the, the film, uh, how should I put this? The movie theater showing films have uh, opened. Uh, my first review was the new David Copperfield film. We might talk about that briefly later, but the the film that both you and I have recently seen is Tenet. That's the big blockbuster film that has now been released as uh, theaters, movie theaters, are beginning to open slowly and surely around the nation. So I'm going to let you start. Tell me uh, your take on Tenet. Uh, well, to start, I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan's um, I will assert that even now he has yet to make a bad movie, which probably puts me in the minority with a lot of folks regarding Tenet. Uh, a lot of our contemporaries and colleagues uh, don't seem to be enjoying the movie uh, especially well. Um, it is one of my least favorite movies of no one's, but I still thought pretty highly of it. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because and uh, and after I I don't like to read a lot of reviews before I see a film. It was hard to miss with Tenet because there were a lot of early screenings for the big big city uh, uh, critics, and I noticed that a lot of the high level national type critics at the New York Times, uh, RogerEbert dot com, places like that, they all gave very favorable um, reviews to it. But a lot of the other critics did not care for it at all. Now, I say you, you uh, so even though it's your least favorite Christopher Nolan film, you still gave it four out of four stars, right? Uh, four out of five. We oh, five stars. Five stars, yeah. I was going to say, I didn't count, did I? Okay, it's four out of five stars, five out of five stars, or four out of five stars? Yeah, that's right. It still was a high rating for you. Uh, I'm I sure. I mean, go ahead, I please. think he's a brilliant craftsman. It's a great looking movie. Um, I might say it's an exercise in style over substance, but that's not always a uh, kiss of death for me. I like stylish movies. Well, I like um, Christopher Nolan films too. I, I'm with you there. I thought uh, Dunkirk was a was a was a piece of art. I think he's done other great films. So I generally, you know, love his work. Was very much looking forward to this. And I was terribly disappointed. So we're going to have a bit of a disagreement on this. I, oh, that makes it fun, though, right? Yeah, I guess it does. But uh, and I'm curious about Adam. We'll we'll talk to Adam later. But I here's where I come down on this. When you're doing film criticism, in my view, you look at it, you evaluate it yourself, but you also have to think about the audience. How is the normal movie-going audience going to react to this? And my view is they're all going to walk out of the theater scratching their heads saying, what did I just see? <laughs> uh, the folks I went with certainly felt that way. I think <laughs> I liked it best of the four of us. My wife wasn't real hot on it, nor were the, were the other couple we went with. But here's the, I mean, um, there, I, I tried it when I wrote my review and posted it today. I, I really wanted to look at it from two different directions. In one way, it's an excellent film. In another way, it, it drops the ball. It's an excellent film. And boy, I tell you, it, it, we know that Christopher Nolan, the studio gave this Warner Brothers, gave him a huge budget. He spent over $200 million on this film. Nobody knows exactly how much. Yes, but it's $225 million. He's spent every cent of that. He destroyed a jumbo jet in the film. This was not CGI. He actually destroyed that that jumbo jet in a, in a scene. If you see the film, you'll know what it's about. But 
so stylistically, the cinematography, uh, the look on it is just absolutely impressive. I will, uh, uh, Christopher Nolan does that well. But, you know, this is his baby. He co-produced it, he wrote the screenplay, and he directed the film. And where I'm afraid he came, he really fell down, was on the story, the storytelling. You know, something, uh, Alec, as simple as making sure there's not, you know, there's so much noise in the background in so many of the scenes, and so many people have foreign accents. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you mix in the fact you've got all this noise, and there are some noisy scenes in there, but obviously it's a you know it's, it's an action film that's, that's going to happen but the sound was mixed in such a way you sometimes you really couldn't hear what was what was being said and there's a lot of good dialogue in this film you just couldn't pick it all up so i think that's one problem here's the other problem uh when you it's, it's okay to have a complicated story you know i don't have a problem with that i think uh, very intelligent films challenge me i like that challenge but this film went way beyond that. Uh, you sort of do figure it out in the end, but since we're dealing not exactly with time travel, but with this concept of, of time where you're in a scene and you're actually seeing something that will happen in the future than in the past, uh, it's really hard to grasp all this. As I said, it sort of comes together at the end, but there are a lot of loose ends on this. So I, I guess my criticism of it is such a beautifully shot film, such a beautifully done film in so many ways, and Christopher Nolan just got a, little, a lot too cute, I think, in the, uh, in, in the storytelling part of this. And to me, the storytelling is, is a critical part of any film. I don't disagree with anything you're saying um, to me. And I think I, I, I wrote this in my review. Um, I think he took a simple story and told it in a complicated manner. I mean, when you really break it down, the movie isn't really about much other than a man who develops feelings or concern for a woman who's entangled with an evil man and doing what he has to do to get her out of that situation. Yeah, there's a woman and a child, and so that adds to the this this connection. It's not a romantic connection; it's a friend connection. It's it's a protective way of him trying to deal with that, as she is a you know, has this estrangement from her husband, the satyr character. You know, I really wish Michael Caine had gotten more screen time. I loved seeing him, and he was gone before you knew it. And and Kenneth Branagh does a great job as the as the heavy in this. I love his acting, and he he doesn't let us down at all. All the acting was very good in this film, in my view. I don't think anybody can can fault any of the acting. Some people have uh, faulted the star, and I I don't know. I I I think he did everything he was asked to do. You know, Washington is is a very good actor. He's he's done some great performances in the past. As the and but you know again here we have another part of the script that I think's odd. So many people are not named. The heavy is named. The uh, the hero and his uh, uh, compatriot don't have names. You've got the protagonist for Washington's character. That's all he's called. He has no name. And then his uh, sidekick is just the handler. Uh, uh, I think Pattinson's make, character actually did have a name. His name is Neil. But they yeah they don't go any further than that. You know, so I think that the yeah that's true. They did mention Neil, but it's no more name than that. So I think that um, I think that the uh, uh, the problem here 
is that the actors did everything that they could do, everything they were asked to do. I think the script let them down. And I think the big difference we have here is that you uh, feel that the story is okay. Let me say one other, let me ask you about one aspect of this. You know, usually uh, it's a nuclear explosion or some uh, chemical you know, disaster or something you're trying to avoid in a film like this. And I don't think I'm giving too much away to say that and this is a situation where the end of the world could come as the result of an algorithm. Yeah, that, that sounds right. So isn't that, <laughs> or is that a little bit of a shot at the technology uh, uh, industry and the technology world we live in? I'm just curious what you think of that. I'll be honest with you. The reason I think the movie worked as well for me as it did is I ignored a lot of the chuffa. Like a lot of it to me just seemed like an excuse for him to do cool action sequences that he thought would look good on screen. And and they did. I focused on the simpler elements of the movie and enjoyed the action for what it was. I think that it can be dangerous sometimes when you give a really talented director so much money it's like he feels like he has to use it all obviously and he used it all here and uh do you think that he wrote the story in order to do these these really unbelievable stunts and 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 uh and special effects do you think that impacted the storytelling i mean i know this this has uh, been an imprint on his work before uh, Nolan is obsessed with James Bond movies. I don't know if you knew that or not. Like it's definitely present in say like uh, Inception, which I think is a much better movie than this one. And uh, the, the, the leaps of science and fantasy um, <clears throat> play much better in that movie than they did here. Um, I think he pretty much did this so he could make his James Bond. Yeah. And, oh, obviously there's a James Bond influence big time in this, but even James Bond had a name. <laughs> we it's don't true. have a name for the we don't have a name for the for the for the star of the film, the man who saves the world. Uh, did you? Let me ask you this, and I'm I don't want to give too much away. This this is an, an unbelievable story, and I it's really hard to even unpack it for an audience that hasn't seen this film. But did did it? What did it do for you when you started seeing these time sequences? You see one scene where really odd things are happening and you can't figure out what it is. And it's not till toward the end of the film that you understand these time sequences all of a sudden are wrapped together in ways you didn't know. How did that impact right. your understanding of the film? I mean, I kind of saw a lot of the stuff coming in all honesty, but I watch a lot of stuff. Um, so, some of the, I mean, it's not really a twist dependent or twist heavy movie, but I guess and as far as there are twists, I, I kind of saw some of them coming. Um, and I guess that might be a slight to the movie. I just mostly enjoyed it on a superficial level. Maybe I defended myself by ignoring how silly some of it was and just going along with the ride. Well, and I, and I gave this a C minus. I, I didn't say go, don't go see it, but I say, if you're going to go see it, do so with some caution and understand that, the people who saw the film with you uh, may come out the same way, scratching their heads. Okay, what did I just see? In fact, my wife, my wife did not go with me. She just couldn't come. Uh, and so when I came home and ex tried to explain the film to her, she asked me this question. She goes, well, if you'd seen it a second time, do you think you would understand it better? 
And I, I, the answer in my mind was no. I don't think I would understand it better. Do you think so? I, I felt I understood it pretty well. And the stuff I didn't understand didn't necessarily upset me or bother me. Well, I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying is uh, it is what it is. And, and, and I don't think seeing it a second time would have made a difference. Although I thought um, a lot of films I, I do see a second time and see things I didn't see before. I'm not sure that would be a major issue here. What do you think? If I were to watch it again, it wouldn't be to try to decipher, uh, excuse me, decipher uh, a puzzle or anything. It would be more just to uh, go for the ride again. Mm-hmm. I know maybe I'm taking this movie on very superficially, but I, I kind of met it on its level and enjoyed it for what it was. Now, this movie's made a lot of money overseas. We'll find out what it does in the U.S. market on Labor Day weekend. What do you think this will do for John David Washington's career? I mean, I think this guy's going to be a huge star. It was probably kind of tasteless in me of me to write in my review, but it, it was running through my head watching the movie um, after the, uh, the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman a few days back. I, I thought, wow, if they choose to make another Black Panther movie and have King T- King T'Challa be the main character of it, I think John David Washington would be a really good choice. Yeah, I think uh, the star, and however they would cast the star of that film, whether it's in that same role or, or create a new character uh, to be the star of that film, uh, I think he would be great at that. Can we talk about Chadwick Boseman for a moment? Uh, I'd love to. Yeah, I was a big fan of his. Let's because let me just leave uh, Tenet as you gave it four out of five stars. You really liked it. I gave it a C minus. I say if you want to go see it, fine. There's some cinematic beauty in there, but the story may really confuse you and just be prepared for a complicated plot that may or may not make sense to you. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, but I I want to talk about Bozeman, Chadwick Bozeman, because I don't think there's another actor. I don't even say African-American actors, any actor that has played so many uh, important figures in, in history. You know, you, How many people can say that I played Thurgood Marshall and Jackie Robinson, for example, two tremendous... And James Brown. And James Brown. Well, it's a little bit different genre, but certainly, yeah, all three of those were bigger-than-life people. I, I'm old enough to remember James Brown when he was new. And, uh, yeah, he had a big impact on popular music as well as rhythm and blues. But if you look at, you know, the law with Thurgood Marshall and sports with Jackie Robinson, uh, just, just uh, you know, amazing actor in terms of playing those, uh, uh, playing those characters that you very easily could have fallen on your face, and he came in with outstanding performances. Um, I think, Chad, this is just my personal view, and I'd like to get your take on this. Of all that Chadwick Boseman uh, accomplished in his too, all too short career, and I said this before on on, on the Hamlet Cuddy Goes to the Movies podcast, my view is that there is uh, there always had been amongst the people who run the big studios in Hollywood a view that films with all or mostly African American casts will never make money. And they had all their proof of that. We tried this, it didn't work. We tried that, it didn't work. And so, okay, they they, they gave a big budget for, you know, the the, the Chadwick Boseman film where he played the big star and, and played an action hero. And when he did that, you know, again, he came through 
did a great job. Of course, there was a whole cast and director. I mean, everybody put that film together. Uh, but what I'm saying is he changed the business of Hollywood, and now no executive can ever say there's never been a time when we did a, a film of reasonable budget or a big budget, and it was a mostly African-American or all African-American cast, and it never made money. Now we have one that made big money, and I think Chadwick Boseman changed the business. What do you think? He he, he certainly had a hand in it. I mean, I think there, there was a movement that he, he was right at the, the forefront of uh, him, uh, Jordan Peele, Brian Coogler. Um, there's a lot of young people of color who are expressing – uh, their experience and audiences who are hungry to see it black, black, white, any color. I mean, I, I like seeing these stories cause I've seen my story so many times. I like seeing a story that isn't necessarily my experience. Yeah. And I think the, the, the key, and it goes back to tenant for me, the, the storytelling is the key and uh, you know, black Panther had great, you know, had, had great special effects, big budget. It was the story that sold me on on Black Panther, and all those other things just made everything that much better. So Chadwick Boseman, you know, and here's the other thing, and and a lot of people have written about this, and I can't say enough about it. Would like your take. This man put in amazing acting performances while being treated for cancer. This is unbelievable. Yeah, he, he was uh, undoubtedly a, a brave soul, and uh, I think he knew he was going to leave a mark, and he was doing what he could to do so. Yeah, I think he knew he was a figure that a lot of people were depending on him uh, to continue the African-American character in films, that it, if he pulled it off well, others would get that chance. So he felt he had an important uh, job, and he certainly did that job very well. So he will be badly missed. We certainly uh, express our condolences to his family because he has given so much to America and the world in the roles that he has played. And and, and and when you think about the fact that he was undergoing these cancer treatments while in many acting in many of these films, it's uh, it just will enhance uh, his uh, legacy as we move forward. Uh, just yeah, to- I would certainly say his, his wife is a bit of a hero too, having shared him with all of us while he was sick. Because I'm exactly. sure she wanted to spend as much time with him as she could there at the end. Exactly. That's a very good point. I'm glad you mentioned that. Alec, uh, now that Tenet has been released and movie theaters are beginning to open up again, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, we kind of get into it. Once we get after Labor Day, we kind of have a downtime for big budget films. But there are other really nice films that tend to come out in like late September, October early November. Uh, is there anything that you've seen on the coming soon list that you um, are very much looking forward to seeing? Well, it's not a new movie, but um, I know uh, AMC is going to start playing Chadwick Boseman's movie 42 starting on Friday at, at select theaters. Um, I would like to see that theatrically. Um, I'm excited for Woman, uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Um, it seems like they keep pushing stuff back to next year. I know um, The King's Man with Ray Fiennes, the sequel to the Kingsman movies. Mm-hmm. 
was supposed to come out in September, but it, it's been pushed, I think, to February next year. Um, there is some stuff in November that I'm excited to see. Uh, Black Widow looks cool. The new James Bond movie looks really good. Um, Dune, as far as I know, is still coming out this mm -hmm. year, and I'm excited for that. Okay, well, I think that... Uh, is there anything you're looking forward to? Just uh, most of the ones you mentioned there, and I, they're always... What I like about this time of year, once Flavor Day comes and goes, is that there are always some small, maybe low-budget films that break through and uh, get some attention. So I'm hoping that happens. It's always a, a surprise when it does, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing a film breakthrough that maybe we haven't heard about yet or haven't, hasn't received a, a whole lot of attention. Um, any uh, seems, parts? Go ahead, please. Oh, sorry. It seems as though a lot of the uh, more artistic films are uh, segueing over to, to Netflix and other streaming services. I know the new Charlie Kaufman movie comes out uh, this Friday. That yeah. should be good. It's got a solid I'm, cast. I'm a big fan of, of Netflix. Uh, some of what they do, you know, Netflix has so much material. It's always like there's something for everybody. <laughs> and uh, I, there was always a little niche there for me that I enjoy watching. And I've reviewed some of their, particularly uh, some of the documentary films that have been very good. I'm also a fan of HBO. Their, their original material is good. But here's something that, and you talked about the delaying of these film releases. I think one reason for that. It's because all the production was shut down for months. I think the uh, the filmmakers are trying to find ways to safely uh, do production in the pandemic. They really had no idea how to do that uh, when it all hit, so they they shut everything down for for months. So I'm thinking that uh, perhaps the studios are putting things off because so much there were some. Uh, projects in production that had to halt production and you wonder if they'll pick it up or start something new so that's that's another aspect of this that we need to watch what are your thoughts i mean honestly i think they're pushing a lot of this stuff to next year just because they don't think there's money in releasing it right now a lot of people i think are afraid to go to the theater um from my personal experience i i haven't um felt uncomfortable but uh i wear a mask and i observe social distancing uh, I, I'm not encouraging anyone to go to the theater if they're not comfortable doing so. Um, it's a weird time. We're, just, we're all just doing the best we can. And and uh, the other part of this is everything you said is correct, and I would agree with it 100%. Another thing is maybe they're pushing some of these back, hoping that things will change because right now the theaters are at way below. If, if you have a film and you have a full house, there aren't that many seats available. There was a 25, 30% uh, the seats are available. I don't know. I went to see Tenet when was one uh, uh, Tuesday night of the the second night it was available on, on on you know special previews. I was one of three people in the theater. What was the crowd like where you were? There were more in my screen, but not many. Maybe ten to fifteen in total. So people are a little hesitant to come back to the theater. I will agree with you. The theater I attended, which was Landmark at uh, Keystone Crossing, they had extremely strict uh, rules in place. Everybody wore a mask, including the staff and the people who uh, were in the movie theater. And uh, even the restrooms had restrictions. Uh, you know, you could only have so many people in, in each restroom at a time, and they had to, you had to stand six feet back from the door if you're waiting to go in. So... 
I found uh, I, I found it. I felt very safe there. I, I didn't feel like there there were any corners being cut. And I've got a feeling that these theater companies will do that so that people feel safe. But we all have to make our own decisions about uh, going to the theater. I couldn't wait to get back. Even though I'm in a high risk category, I felt that I was taking all the precautions when I saw the that the uh, the theater ownership had uh, done the same thing. Being very careful, I felt better at the, uh, going to the movie. So it's everybody's individual decision. Uh, any- I did find this kind of interesting. Um, some movies are filming now, and some even filmed during quarantine. Um, one starring John David Washington from uh, Tenet. He uh, made a movie with Zendaya and uh, a filmmaker named Sam Levinson. He's the son of Barry Levinson. He also uh, does the HBO series Euphoria and did a movie a few years ago that I really enjoyed uh, called Assassination Nation. Apparently the three of them just hunkered down and made a movie. Hmm. Well, that's a, I'll, I'll so be curious be, to see how that shakes out. Yeah, I was going to say, it's going to be very interesting to see how that shakes out, how they were able to get that done, because most production was shut down. I did hear of a few that were continuing. I think that might have been one I... I'd heard about, but there weren't many. Most of the big productions shut down, and and the question is, when you know, it's hard to do. I had a, a one of my nephews worked out in L.A. as a production assistant on on the set of several different films, and you know it's so hard to put a crew together, and and to and and the the, the not just the cast, but everybody else you need to put a a film production on, and getting them back together, even to continue for as a continuation of a film you started is more complicated than you think. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what actually gets done in the end. Um, any final thoughts uh, before we uh, wrap up this segment? I think I'm doing okay, Larry. It's been nice talking with you. Uh, I know your birthday is tomorrow. I hope you have a happy birthday. And our, our other host, Adam Austin, he and his wife, Nicole, are celebrating a wedding anniversary tomorrow. So happy anniversary to them. Yeah, we'll probably uh, really uh, we'll, we'll, probably, we'll probably post this uh, afterwards. But we're recording this on September second. Tomorrow is my birthday. Thank you for the thought. And yes, Adam and Nicole, two outstanding people, and uh, have a beautiful daughter. You know, and uh, they are you know, celebrating their uh, wedding anniversary on the same day as my birthday. I forgot that they were married this on my birthday, but that now that I think about it, yeah, that did happen uh, that way. So, hey, great to talk to you, Alec, and we're hoping to, to be back next week if we can get everybody together. So thanks thanks for the first episode here. We'll look forward to the next one. Really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, Larry. This is Larry Lannon, and it's my honor and uh, excitement to announce uh, a new podcast. Adam and I have been doing Hamilton County Goes to the Movies for a while. We've rebranded it, added Alec Toombs to our team. We're calling it the Grade A Movies Podcast. We'll be playing, it's been a voice podcast up to now. We'll continue with that. But Adam is going to be doing some video as well. So we'll be doing this on both video and audio platforms. So Adam, good to talk to you again. Long time. Good to talk to you too, Larry. And uh, this, uh, so we're excited about uh Grade A Movies, you and Alec are doing a terrific job with that. We'll promote Grade A Movies through this podcast and video stream and and talk about movies in general. So I think you and Alec uh, should be proud of what you've accomplished. You do film reviews, and I know you like to do some some other kind of commentary. For those who have never been on GradeAMovies.com, uh, tell people what to expect. 
So um, we started our film website. We were writing reviews on Letterboxd, which if you aren't familiar with that, that is a um, kind of like a Facebook or social media service for movie reviews. And it's neat, but it wasn't really kind of branching out to everyone else. So we thought if we, it's not hard to start a website. So we decided I built a little website. We named it Grade A Movies uh, since me and Alec both have uh, A in their first names. I got a lot of extra A's. I only have an A in my I only have an A in my middle name, so I don't qualify. Well, I, I apologize for that <laughs> one there. We have Larry and Fishers. Until you leave Fishers, you'll always be Larry and Fisher. <laughs> okay. But no, I, I think you two should be proud of what you've accomplished. You've put a lot of material and content on there. So uh yeah, let's uh, th- that's all part of the the package here. So I'm I'm the podcast guy and you folks are the are the people who uh, pl- put that on your platform. But we're here to talk about movies. I do my own movie reviews as you well know. And the most recent uh film that we have uh, talked about is Tenet. I, I I was so excited though before we get to that. I was so excited to go back into a movie theater, Adam. And I went to see the the, the personal history of David Copperfield which was a, a nice movie. It wasn't a, a terrific movie, but it's a good family film. So You now, like that director, though. The director was, yeah. And, you know, he, he did a very different film, Death of Stalin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's done a lot of other work outside of film. But, yeah, the Death of Stalin was was a piece of, of art. Uh, this one is a much different film, and, and I, I liked it. It's, it's not outstanding, but it, if you want to have a nice family Day at the movies, uh, you feel comfortable doing that in this, this day and age. Uh, it's a was good there film. Any, how many people were in the theater when you went? Three. Three. Oh, no, excuse me. It was five. It was three for Tenet, five for David Copperfield. But again, I'm, I'm a retired guy. I go at three o'clock in the afternoon, right? So uh, at least I did for David Copperfield. Now, Tenet was still, um, that, that wasn't, there weren't a lot of people there, but it was Thursday, what, it was a Tuesday night. So it was during the week and, uh, I don't know, but let's get to Tenet now because uh, this is the film that has been so anticipated by people in the film industry, film lovers. Uh, everybody has been on pins and needles waiting to see this film. It's been delayed again and again. Christopher Nolan was uh, was not going to re- uh, wait until next year to release this. He wanted it to come out as the movie theaters are opening. So, Adam, tell me your views, your review of Tenet. So this was my second time going to a movie theater, just like you. Um, my first time going to a movie theater was a little different. I and some friends, um, we rented out a showing at the IMAX for 12 people. It was 250 bucks and you could pick an old movie. And we watched Raiders of the Lost Ark on the big screen. Um, it was actually a pretty good price because about 20 bucks a person and included popcorn, soda, and parking. So that's not a bad deal. And uh, so we watched that on the big IMAX screen. That was fun. It was a huge theater at IMAX, so we were really spread out. Um, I went to go see Tenet at the AMC in Fishers uh, at 96th Street. That's actually um, Indianapolis. It's on the Indianapolis side. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to give Fishers any, any credit for that one, man. <laughs> I, g- I give the mayor here a hard time because we do not have a movie theater in Fishers. We're pretty close there on 96th. Exactly. We're not quite there. So uh, I was the only one in the 11.30 a.m. screening of Tenet. And if you don't know about Tenet, it is a little bit of a complicated idea. It's a time travel movie, and it isn't. 
objects in the movie have their entropy reversed, which means effect comes before cause. Now, what does that mean? It means when they shoot a gun, the bullets go backwards. When they're fighting, they're going, one person's going one direction and one person's going other. And there's a lot of exposition to explain what's going on. Characters saying, now clearly here are the rules of this, this object. And the main character accepts it and goes, that seems perfectly fine and reasonable. I don't have any follow-up questions. Let me just proceed. And it moves quickly through this kind of complicated sci-fi plot. And you think you grasp it. And then Christopher Nolan, the director, who also did Dunkirk, Interstellar, Inception. He likes the big budget, big screen movies. He's got a loyal following. He tests that loyalty of the audience by going a little off board here, by taking the concept way out there. And I don't want to spoil anything, but they say, don't run into your future self. And it, it gets a little confusing. Now this confusion- A little, wait a minute. Now, a little yeah. confusing. We'll talk more about that, but I, I think yeah. you're understating it, but go ahead. The confusion might be worth it if I cared more. But here's the thing, Larry, they don't set up any of these characters. John David Washington, son of Denzel Washington, who's become a star in his own right after his breakthrough in Black Klansman, um, is the lead role. He's only named the protagonist. And it's not that he's shrouded in mystery. They just didn't bother to develop this character. And he jumps from meeting to meeting with these special agent people that were supposed to know why he's meeting with them and what they're doing. And now we have to steal a painting and now we have to steal this other thing. It moves so quickly. It doesn't establish any characters. And I just asked myself, do I care if he succeeds? And I didn't. There were there was no emotional investment on my part. Yeah, the world's about to end and you really don't care. Exactly. <laughs> Think about that. And I know for a action moment. films, people like big action scenes, but I would always argue a great action movie, you care about that protagonist. The reason why John Wick, especially the first one, was such a great movie, they kill his dog in the first few minutes. You're immediately rooting for him to fight back because he killed a cute beagle. John McClane in Die Hard, the everyday man that you root for. You want to see him succeed. And then there are films that have movie after movie to develop character. So when you see someone die in a Marvel film, like the Avengers Endgame, it kills you because you've come to love these characters. I don't even think I know these characters in Tenet. I don't know who they are and what they do. And I mean... Larry, you spent some time with me. I'm not a dumb person. No, I mean. no, 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 no. And, and let me tell you something about that. You you almost could have wrote my review that I posted a few days ago. Uh, I'm going to say one thing before we get started talking about the, the actual content of this film. Okay, I'm not a young guy. Okay, I'm in my 60s, in my upper 60s now. And I'm watching this film, and I am thinking, okay... I'm an old guy and my hearing is starting to go. But what I found out is I couldn't hear half the dialogue because Nolan's got all this special effects going on or they have the scene in a noisy place or just, again, they were in the middle of an action scene. You got to pick the words up to figure out what's going on. I couldn't pick up all the words. I thought, okay, there's something wrong with my hearing. Maybe I should have it checked out. No, I've read three online articles from some very well-known 
uh, film people who had the same problem I did. They couldn't understand a good part of the dialogue. So this was a case, in my view, of Christopher Nolan had more than $200 million budget. Maybe it was two twenty-five. Nobody knows for sure, obviously, but it's in that neighborhood. I mean, he spent every cent, and he played with these toys he had, and, and you know, he destroys a jumbo jetliner. Didn't do CGI. He actually destroyed the jetliner because he had the money to do it. So uh, I think he had too many toys to play with to kind of dovetail something you said. Uh, there's nothing wrong with giving a big budget to a man who's made that much money for the studio in the past. He has. Uh, Dunkirk was a big money maker. These other films you, you mentioned made money for the studio. Hey, let's give him a big budget again. The problem is exactly what you mentioned. You know, the, uh, I got into this film. I thought, do I really care what happens to this guy? I mean, Alec, in our conversation, mentioned the fact that Christopher Nolan's a big fan of the James Bond film. You can see that in, in very much in, in, in Tenet. It's there. But even James Bond had a name. And again, I think your point that do you really care about a character that's just sort of there and you don't really get to know that character well? His dog didn't die, so you don't have any any way to connect with this guy. Well, so but, but I just think I don't that there's many of the actors involved. I don't either, I but go ahead. Christopher Nolan yeah. in his screenplay. I think the direction is fine. Actually, I thought the music was good. It was mixed a little loud. That that's was, what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was it set the tone. Um, so I was one that I really love Interstellar. I think it's one of his most inter- uh, emotional films. Um, Prestige, mm-hmm. Memento, Dark Knight. I love all those. I wasn't as high on Dunkirk or Inception as other people. Um, the one thing that I had a criticism about with Inception, which is here too, is that with this suspenseful, pounding soundtrack, it's meant to put you on the edge of your seat for two and a half hours. I can't be on the edge of my seat for, I'll fall off the seat, Larry. Okay, I can't be on the edge that long. You need to have, it's like a symphony. You need highs and lows. You need suspenseful, and then you need to come down. And then you have your big climax at the end. If the whole film is climax, it, that doesn't work. Well, even, gotta, yeah, even Shakespeare had comic relief, right? <laughs> I mean, he, exactly. he settled his, um, his plays down after big scenes, yeah. I Tenet agree. is an example of an accomplished artist who's been given free reign to do whatever he wants because he's been critically and commercially successful in the past. Well, the That thi- can be interesting, well, the but thing sometimes is, but- it leads to the, the worst excesses of an artist giving in to their worst instincts. You and I have total agreement on that, and this is his baby. I mean, he co-produced it, he directed it, he wrote the whole screenplay. So this is his baby. And, you know, and, and I gave this film a C minus, and I only gave it a C minus because I think from a kind of dovetailing what you said, from a technical point of view, this was masterfully done. I mean, the the scenes were done well, the the cinematography, the look of the film was outstanding. It just needs it a does, story. It's a film that looks good on a big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would even think it would probably look even better on an IMAX screen because Christopher Nolan likes to shoot in actual IMAX cameras. Mm-hmm. He did a few scenes with Dark Knight and then later with uh, Dunkirk shot nearly the whole movie. Not all of it, but nearly the whole movie in IMAX. And I think he's done quite a bit of that in this one. I didn't read about it. I just assumed mm-hmm. so. Um 
he he knows the technical wizardry behind the camera, but he doesn't hit it with the screenplay this time. But mm-hmm. he can write a good screenplay. He's been nominated for Oscars for his screenplays, Memento being one of them. I thought The Dark Knight has a great screenplay. I thought The Prestige. They took a book that for years people were trying to turn into a movie and thought this is unadaptable. This can't be turned into a movie. And he did a great job with the screenplay there. Can we talk about this so-called time travel aspect of this film? Um, did you want to go backwards out of the theater and leave? I, I thought I was looking to see if anybody worked, was coming backwards toward me. That's, I'm, <laughs> that's more that than anything else. But here's the thing. Uh, you mentioned it, and it's true. It's about time travel, but not really. And you, you get explained it pretty well in that respect. But I... I think that, for example, and I'm not going to give too much away here if people haven't obviously haven't seen it yet, but you will be in the middle of a scene, a big action scene, and something will happen that is doesn't seem to make sense or doesn't seem like a big deal. Well, 20 minutes later, oh, now I know what happened you know, because this crazy time travel thing is going on. Uh, the other part of this, and I, I don't think I'm giving too much away here, is usually you have this evil person uh, who is trying to destroy the world through nuclear weapons or chemical weapons. This film is going to destroy the world with an algorithm. Now, to me, that's a he's taking a bit of a shot at our technical world, don't you think? I think the concept could have been done better. Mm-hmm. Some of the early scenes, they didn't implement any of the the background time travel. It was a standard heist scene again and again that you would have seen in James Bond movie or a mission impossible movie. It didn't feel like there was anything special about those scenes. They weren't bad. Um, And then later on when they do explore it, I don't know if I really, I think I was kind of let down. This film had high expectations for two reasons. One you're taking a director who the last film he did was an Oscar-nominated Best Picture, Best Director film. He was given a ton of money and free reign to do something. He's brought in stars that are young and already rising and coming to closer to the A-list top with uh, John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, who's going to be Batman soon, and Elizabeth Debicki, who is going to be in a lot of movies soon after her strong performance in Widows, which you you haven't seen. Check that out. Uh, Kevin Branagh needs to get some credit. He was a great heavy in this film. He was good. Yeah. He's a a great actor. Mm -hmm. But, I mean... It was wasted, unfortunately. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, Michael Caine gets one scene. I don't know what the point of that was. I wish he'd been in more. That that would have helped the film. Um, And at the end, there is unfair expectations because this film is the first big-budget movie to come out in an actual physical movie theater in about six months. I agree. I agree. So the the expectations were way outside even what a normal blockbuster would be. So I don't know. Alec liked it better than I did. I think you and I are about the same. Would you recommend this film? It depends. If you're dying to go to a movie theater, if you love sitting in theaters and eating some popcorn and watching a movie – Looking at your other options, I think this is probably one of the best choices. This is a film that it's not really a rental, watch it on your cell phone kind of movie. It does, a big screen does seem like it's necessary there. But try to 
tamp- damper your expectations. If you have I, giant expectations. You really have to pay attention in this film. It's almost like you're in a college lecture. <laughs> you have to write everything down. Uh, you, you have to sit there and really be dialed into every word that's being said or you lose something. Well, they and, jump from – and it's not even confusing just in the sci-fi part. Right. It's confusing in other aspects. In the first scenes where they say, well, we found these bullets that – uh, are you can go backwards. Well, we've already we've already traced the things, and it's to this guy in India. Now we're going to this guy in India. Within a matter of ten seconds, they've already solved the mystery and moved on to the next scene. And you have to say, wait, wait, wait a second. What what just happened? Why are exactly. they here? Why are they talking to this person? <laughs> exactly. Why do I care? Mm-hmm. So I gave it a C minus because there is some terrific movie making in here. Uh, there, it's a nice film in some ways, but the story will leave you behind. Yeah, you know, I, when I wrote my review, I included it. Uh, when I got home, Jane had other things to do. She didn't go with me, my wife. My wife and I, she, and I tried to explain it to her, and she finally said, "Well, if you saw it a second time, would you understand it better?" I think the answer is no. I wouldn't understand it that much better. It's not a film where you're confused all the way through and then the last 10 minutes your mind is blown. It's not like Memento in that regard. It's not like uh, any of the M. Night Shyamalan twist movies where suddenly you're, you're a little confused and then it all comes together and makes sense. This really doesn't come together in the end. No, you do, um, but you do understand some aspects of it a little better at the end. But it's not yeah, like a big a exposition. I agree. Yeah, but it's almost a letdown. It's not a mm-hmm. wow. My mind is blown. It all makes sense. No, it doesn't. The previous <laughs> two hours were worth it. It You're doesn't. Like, yeah. It will never may all make sense. Sadly, but uh, so uh, if you had to give it a letter grade, how would you go about that? I probably C minus. I, I hate mm-hmm. to get into the D range because that sounds like it's. Not a well-done movie. Look, the direction is fine. It's the screenplay this time. Yes. If you can uh, watch it, turn off your hearing aid, and just <laughs> watch the visuals. I thought I need. Okay. I thought I needed a hearing aid just to figure it out. But no, it's and and be be aware of the fact that it's going to be hard to hear some of the dialogue because of the way he's mixed the sound, the 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 the, the music, or more often just the background noise is going to make it difficult to, to understand all the words. And you need to hear all the dialogue in this Larry, film to figure just, it out. I just figured out this movie. This is the perfect analogy for the confusing times that we are living in now, Larry, where we don't know what's going on. Yeah, He's tapped into that with yeah. this film. I, that he has done. Yeah, I'm not going to argue <laughs> with that. And we, these challenging times uh, reflects that. It's it's hard to figure out the movie. It's hard to figure out life. I want to go to one other aspect of filming, films right now. And that's the fact that, you know, movie theaters were not in, in great economic shape before the pandemic hit. Uh, the Goodrich uh, chain, which has that really big theater complex uh, in Noblesville, you and I, uh, uh, interviewed the manager several years ago of that film, uh, House, and it's it's got the big IMAX screen, and it's it's still closed. That uh, chain went through bankruptcy. I figure that someone will eventually buy that, but I don't know when or under what circumstances. Then we received the news uh, through a social media posting a few days ago that Flick's Brewhouse, I was thinking they might be open by now, and they're having some issues with their landlord, and they laid it out pretty clearly in this uh, social media post. 
So just tell me, what, what do you think about the future of the movie theater industry? The studios are, are making it. They have enough cash to get through this. But the movie theater owners themselves, even the big chains, are having some trouble. I'm curious what your view is on this. So I saw a post on Flix Brew House, and they're in a tough circumstance even more than other movie theaters because they are a restaurant and brewery and a movie theater all in one. So they have a lot of things to juggle, um, especially with servers coming in and out. Um, but it feels like they figured a lot of those protocols out and they were ready to reopen. They just needed a movie in order to reopen. And Tenet was going to be that movie. I, I know people are, I know I just dogged the movie, but people will go see it. He's got a huge following. Um, they were ready to reopen and show Tenet, maybe some classic films. But their landlord wanted, I think, full rent, not only going forward, but also back rent when they've been closed. And even with uh, getting government help like some businesses have, that's going to be difficult. Um, they apparently negotiated with their other landlords because they have uh, movie locations across the country. It's based out of Austin, Texas. We had some of the people on our podcast talking about that. Um, I had just mentioned to Carmel Mayor Jim Brainerd if he had seen that, and he said that he had, had a, received a call from their attorney and that he finally reached back. The attorney actually was a former mayor, uh, so they knew each other there. And I think uh, the Mayor Brainerd tried to give him some advice. But that's a tricky situation because, I mean, that's the landlord kind of doing it there. Uh, City Carmel doesn't own that land. And um, so I don't know if that's really the, the city's fault there, but uh, I'd hate to see Flix Brew House go out. I think it's been a huge asset for the community, bringing a lot of uh, positive things for a family to do. And I think it's helped that shopping center. And it's not like if it's vacant, another similar movie theater is going to jump right in, especially with their layout being a brewery, restaurant, movie theater. It's kind of a unique animal. Yeah, so I'm right for them. Yeah, I think... Uh... That, I really enjoyed talking to the to the manager and the, the representative from Austin that talked to us the day they came in. Uh, really enjoyed their their business, their look at their outlook on the business, the way they ran their business, and uh, I know they're not the only owners going through uh, pains with their landlord. But I guess the bottom line is let's hope that can somehow be worked out. It's good to know that uh, the mayor of Carmel has at least inserted himself into it to try to find a solution. I think that's a, yeah. that's a good sign. And I know there are people who love just getting their food and beer. And people said, hey, even if the movies aren't open, can we get carry out? Can I fill up a growler of one of those beers? Hmm. I think on their part, they, it was hard for them to open up a part of the business uh, without opening up all of them, especially when they're negotiating with a landlord. Um, well, yeah, so I, I I wanted to talk about that because I, I like those people of Flix Brewhouse. I haven't ever had a chance to go there just because it's a bit of a drive for me, but uh, I know my daughter's been there many times, and I know other people. Larry who, doesn't leave Fishers. I do leave. I go to your. I do go to your restaurant <laughs> now. I've That's I've true. I've gone to your restaurant. I don't make too many trips outside of Fishers, but I'll I certainly will go to Donatello's. Give Donatello's a plug that. there, and it's. Uh, you watch any good old movies recently, Larry? Yeah, I. Well, you know, I've watched uh, uh, the David Copperfield film. Uh, was nice to watch. I was looking a little more for that, but on TV, I. I've been a little busy lately, but I do watch a few. Uh, it's been a while since I've watched some classic films, but that's one of my favorite things to do. 
Uh, can't think of any recently that I've seen, but I know you love to do that, and yeah. especially with the theaters closed. Uh, I, I did go back and watch some old films, and it's always there, fun. I got to talk about one new release on streaming that people can watch, and it is crazy. It'll be fun for me to discuss. Um, Class Action Park. Have you heard about this? Oh, that's the one on Netflix. Uh, HBO Max. Oh, it's an HBO Max. It's an Excuse HBO me. Max exclusive. I, and if okay. you don't have it, actually, I highly recommend a subscription to HBO Max. They have a great library of old films. They have all the Harry Potter movies, all the Lord of the Rings movies. And they have all of the Turner Classic Movie Collection, which is a great library of films. Well, if you this have is, if you have HBO and 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 I do on on a you only get so many films on demand. But when you have HBO Max, and I get that through my own package, I, it's just kind of an add on, so I don't pay any extra for it. But you're, it's exactly what you said. Everything is there. And when I saw the Turner Classic lineup, I thought, oh my gosh, this is. This is well worth it. So the the beauty of HBO Max really has been, and there they have a little bit of material there they don't put on the regular HBO platform, but it's mostly just everything they've ever produced because they have the technology to store it there, and they have TCM, and they have so some other things. this is an exclusive that's only available through HBO Max, mm-hmm. and it's a 90-minute documentary about the most dangerous water park ever called Action Park that was in New Jersey Mainly in the 70s and 80s, it closed in the mid-90s. This park was so dangerous and so risky that when Donald Trump was asked to be an investor, he thought it was too crazy for him. (laughs) Well, I'd heard stories about this crazy water park that never thought safety was was something that was important to them. They just wanted to give everybody a thrill. I have no idea what kind of engineers they hired, but obviously they, they didn't, didn't have engineers, Larry. That's, it the, was that's, the, that's the answer, right? It was the crazy <laughs> owner would draw water slides on cocktail napkins saying, oh I want a water slide that goes in a loop. And then there was no way to engineer it without hurting people because they would get stuck in the loop. Oh my and he'd gosh. start paying high school kids a hundred bucks to go try it out. And they're like, I don't, hundred dollars, sure. And they'd all get scraped up. Teeth were getting lost. Oh and then the people God. were scraping themselves on the teeth that were stuck inside the ride. So how would you like to be that park's lawyer? Well, they never settled any cases. <laughs> Larry, this is all in the documentary. I'm not, I, you don't have to disclose too much. I'll, okay, I, I've got HBO Max. Uh, if you do, And by the way, if you don't have HBO Max and you have, let's say, HBO on your uh, cable package, Check it out. You may be able to access it. That's how I found it. And uh, yeah, I love it. This one was, if you love the craziness of Tiger King, this is uh, not as crazy as that. Nothing can be as crazy as Tiger King. You know that. I had my it, my wife watched it. I did not. So This is only 90 minutes. Okay. Um, it's got that nostalgia of the, we don't care what you do in the 70s and 80s. No warnings. No government regulations. Uh, if you get hurt, it's your own dang fault kind of attitude. <laughs> and there's some great footage that just makes you boggle your mind. I mean, they had more than one person die in their wave pool, and mm. they, did, they didn't close it. No, of course not. From what you're saying, they didn't close anything until they closed they it all. They had go-karts that could go 60 miles an hour. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll look forward to watching that. I will watch it. Maybe we can talk more about it in the future uh future program well uh, adam thanks uh, for 
for your time as always. And uh, we'll uh, uh, we're going to try to bring a get bring in guests when we can. But it's you and Alec and I mostly talking about movies. So uh, best of luck to you and your work on the city council and uh, Donatello's. And uh, we'll be back with uh, Great A Movies podcast here in the near future. Thank you. Good to see you, Larry. <laughs>